Good morning. We want to welcome each of you. Uh, we're very happy to have you here to worship with us. If you're visiting with us, we're especially honored that you chose to be with us today, and we invite you back at any time you can be here. I want to read a scripture from Romans chapter 15, verses 5 and 6. May the God who gives endurance and encouragement give you a spirit of unity among yourselves as you follow Christ Jesus, so that with one heart and mouth you may glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we gather here this morning to worship you and to fellowship and encourage one another. Father, we pray that our worship is pleasing to you and uplifting to us. We thank you so much for the great love that you have for us. We thank you for the gift of Jesus who sacrificed himself on the cross for us. Father, we ask your blessings on those of our number that are struggling with health problems this morning. We ask for, that you lift up those that are discouraged and downtrodden. Encourage them. Father, we just pray that you bless our time here together this morning, and may everything we do be pleasing to you. In Jesus' holy name, amen. Our congregational scripture reading this morning comes from Matthew 5, verses 14 through 16. Shall we read together? You are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a lampstand, and it gives light to all who are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. I am thy Yeah. 
Good morning. Let's go to our Father in prayer. Father in heaven, holy is your name. Forgive us of any sins we may have committed, Lord, either, will, either willingly or unknowingly, Lord. And we forgive everyone that sinned against us, our families, the church. Father God, we ask you, Lord, today that you open our hearts to the word that's going to be taught here today. Help us to be humble when we deal with it, that we may allow it to change our hearts and to choose the word's message rather than our own opinions. Father, help us to love one another. Help us to enjoy this time we have together. We're so grateful that we can come here today once again and worship you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Our next song will help prepare our minds for observance of the Lord's Supper. Jesus instituted his memorial. He said, bread is my body, the fruit of the vine is my blood. And it just accentuated the sacrifice he made, but that he was here, that he was physically here. He was one of us. He knew our temptations, he knew our frailties, he knew our failings, and he lived a perfect life. He left his home to come down here and be one of us to understand us, to bring us back to the Father. That's what he wants us to remember, the sacrifice he made, which in my mind went all the way back to leaving heaven and then living here on earth as one of us, then finally offering himself up as that perfect lamb for our sacrifices. If you join me in prayer. Dear Father in heaven, we're so thankful that your son came that he was one of us. We're strengthened and 
in the love and the compassion he had for us and that you have for us, Father, to send him, that he can give himself, that we could find a path back to you, that we could find forgiveness and grace and in your mercy be brought back to you. Help us that as we take this bread, that we remember the sacrifice that he made, all the sacrifice that he made for you and for us, Father. As in Christ's name we pray. Amen. join me in the fruit of the vine. Dear Father, the, the blood that he shed on the cross, your apostle Paul talks so much about it, Father, that it cleanses us. It justifies us being in your presence, Father. We're so thankful that he was willing to shed that blood, Father, that he went to the cross willingly. He wasn't taken. Help us to remember that great love that he has for you and that he has for us as we partake of this. In Christ's name we pray, amen. Separate and apart from the Lord's Supper, I have an opportunity to pray here to talk to, talk to God about the blessings that we've had. Um, the offerings could be put in any one of the boxes that are on the back wall. They're multiple colors. Pick the color you like. But again, you go to God and thank him for the blessings we have. Dear Father, we, we thank you so much for the many blessings we have mostly for the spiritual blessings, but the physical blessings we have here, Father. The food, all the things that you've given us. Father, help us that as we give back a portion, we do it with a, with a happy and open heart. One that wants to give, one that wants to see your word move, move through our society and, and help transform it, Father. Be with us that we're good stewards of what we have here, that we can further your words. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Good morning. Today I'll be reading Matthew 10, 32-33. So everyone who acknowledges me before men, I will all so will a knowledge before my Father who is in heaven. But whoever denies me before men, I will also deny before my Father who is in heaven. Children's Church is now available for second grade and younger. 
In keeping with our congregational scripture reading, we have a fun song for a send-off for Matt with his lesson, This Little Light of Mine. Unfortunately, the music is not right, and there's some words missing. So we'll do the best we can because we know the song. It's uh, This Little Light of Mine, I'm Gonna Let It Shine. The second verse is Hide It Under a Bushel, No, I'm Gonna Let It Shine. The third verse, don't let Satan blow it out. I'm going to let it shine. But what's the fun in that? So we'll sing, don't let Satan it out. <laughs> this. That's a good song to sing for a preacher that was a youth minister for 20 years, right? Now, when I start getting extra fired up today, y'all can blame that on Ray and this little light of mine. So we're going to be finishing the conversation that we've been having on um, evangelism, and today is the day that we get to actually talk about what it really is going to look like. And I'm going to tell you before we even get started, I'm going to give you the what before the why. Um, and the, the, before we even get started, I want you to understand that a lot of what we're going to be talking about today is nothing new. It's not new. It's just stuff that kind of, um, I don't know, I would like to blame it on COVID, kind of got pushed to the wayside and we're starting to recover from that moment as a church, as a body of believers. And so we're going to have a little, little reminder today of the things that we used to do along with a couple of new things that we're trying to incorporate into um, our evangelism here at the church. Because at the end of the day, if you remember a few years ago, I mean a few years ago, if you remember a few years ago, a few, a few months ago, we were going through deacons and elders and qualifications and all that stuff. And one of the things I, this isn't exactly how I said it, but it's, it's, it's really kind of the notion is, you know, deacons are servants. We're all servants. But deacons are servants over something that the elders are not going to let just happen. It's so important that they need to have somebody overseeing that at all times so that it doesn't just 
happen when it happens, but it's intentionally happening. Happening, and that's sort of the thought behind um, this whole conversation with evangelism. I want you to remember that I've been stressing that it has to be personal. This is not a program we're implementing, but it is a structure and an organization. Okay, but at the end of the day, it comes down each one of us personally. It comes down to our own hearts, our own relationships, and our own decisions that we're making based on those relationships, which I will explain in a minute. Let's, um, before we get started, let's just, let's just say a quick prayer. Father God, I just want to pray right now. This is... Um, well, honestly, Lord, this is just a little different for me. Father, evangelism in, in so many ways in my life has been a one-on-one -on -one thing. And there's certainly nothing wrong with that. But you know, the more I study, and I, I pray that as we look at the scriptures today, we see something that is very profound. Something that I've read a hundred times, but never really thought about in the way that I want to present to the church today, Lord. I pray you open up our hearts to receive the message today. I pray that, God, you give us a heart to serve, a heart for evangelism, a heart to reach out to our friends, to our family, to our loved ones. Jesus, you are the only way. You are the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through you. So, Father, if there's anything we, there's not, there really is nothing more important that we could say to anyone in our lives other than that. James says, life is like a vapor here today, gone tomorrow, but eternity is forever. Lord, this life is nothing compared to what lies after this life, after this moment here on earth. God, just be with us in this conversation today. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Doug, just go ahead and flip on the PowerPoint for now. <clears throat> so we had an issue with, um, we kind of... Re-engineered everything and made our own slide, and I think we're having a little bit of an issue with getting it on the PowerPoint. Um, so, here we go. We'll see what I can do without it. Oh, it's there? Perfect. All right, good. Thank you, Doug, for doing that for me. Um, so we're just really trying to say, hey, how can we get our friends, how can we get our loved ones, how can we get them to not just know the church, but to come to church? Because here's the reality, right? How many times do you talk to people about church before they actually enter the building? And remember, the building is not the church. We are the church. We are the people is the church. But how often do you have conversations with people before you get them into church? And how many times, how many times have you led someone to Christ one-on-one? -on -one? Just you exclusively one-on-one. -on -one. Now I want to say for the majority of my ministry, that's exactly how it has been. It's been one-on-one, -on -one, it's been very personal, and, and, and that works. 
But yet again, this is something that we don't want to miss. We don't want to let people slip through the cracks, if at all possible. Okay, now let me show you some scriptures real quick. Mark 6. This is Jesus commissioning the 12. Starting in verse 7, he says, And he called the 12 and began to send them out two by two. Notice, first of all, it wasn't one by one. It was two by two. Part of that's because of the travel. Part of that's because there are people lying in wait, waiting, setting traps to rob, to steal, to destroy, to pillage. Name it. Put another word there. It'll work. And there's people lying in wait on their travels. So they didn't travel by themselves. They traveled two by two. You know why else though? You ever have the right thing to say all the time? If you do, come and teach me your ways. Sometimes you don't have the right thing to say. And you know what's interesting? It's always in that moment that the person you least expect to have the right thing to say is usually the one that does. So there's an advantage in having more than just you on this mission, on this opportunity when we're talking about saving souls. I want you to see that right away. He takes the 12, he sets them up into groups, and he sends them out two by two. And it says that he gave them authority over unclean spirits. He charged them to take nothing for their journey except a staff. Now, isn't that interesting? We're going to get into that in a minute. He says, no bread, no bag, no money in their belts, but to wear sandals and not put on two tunics. All you're allowed to do is bring a walking stick. Why? Why would Jesus do that? Don't you think that's strange? My wife would have a really hard time with this scripture. Anybody else relate? We go to a hotel for a weekend. We have packed for three weeks. Because you never know what's going to happen and she will bring everything for the journey. There will not be one thing she forgets. 90% will never use, but she will not forget one thing. And Jesus looks at the apostles and says, hey, you know what? Don't even bring an extra set of clothes. Just get your walking stick because you're going to be on a journey. Not even food. No rations. You see that? I think that's interesting. We'll get into that in a minute too. Verse 10. And he said to them, whenever you enter a house, stay there until you depart from there. So when they go into a city, they're going to be received by somebody. Somebody's going to say, you know what? Why don't you come stay with us? Why don't you come stay with us? And once they've been invited in, they're supposed to stay there until they leave to go to the next city. They're not going to jump from house to house. They're not going to hang out with these people for a couple nights and then have a sleepover over here and then there and then that's not how it's going to work. They're going to invest in that house that receives them and that invites them in. That's what they're going to do. I want you to see that as clear as day. And I can show you in multiple places where he tells them this exact thing. When you go, you're not going to split your time. You're going to be devoted and focused to that first person that receives you and takes you into your home. <coughs> Excuse me, into their home. Now, verse 11 gives us something that is another reality. In fact, it's probably going to be a reality more than somebody wanting to receive you and bring them into your home, their home. And if any place will not receive you and they will not listen to you when you leave, shake off the dust that is on your feet as a testimony against them. In other words, he says, don't stick around. Don't waste your time. If they don't want to receive it, you remember when Jesus was talking about this? He said, don't throw pearls to... Okay, well, we're not calling everybody who's not ready to receive Jesus a pig. 
But we're not going to spend too much time wasting our time on people who aren't ready to hear the truth. Whoa, that sounded harsh, didn't it? Is it really that harsh? Think about this. We're going to get there. Don't worry. I want to show you something else. Luke 10. He doesn't just have the 12. He's got the 72. Who are the 72? Can you name one? I can't. Trick question. I can't name one. In fact, as far as I can tell, they're not named. You don't know who the 72 are. They're just 72 people who are grouped into groups of two and they're heading out to the town. Now, look what it says right here. It says into every town, verse one, right past two by two, into every town and place where he himself was about to go. Who's he himself? It's Jesus. It's Jesus. Who needs somebody to go before them and till the soil and prepare the way? Do you think Jesus needed help reaching people? Imagine having the power of God at your fingertips. You don't think you can get somebody's attention anytime you want? Remember when we were talking about the woman at the well? And he says, hey, get me a drink of water. Remember how we played with that for a minute? Imagine having the power of God at your fingertips. Do you think he needed her to get him water? You don't think he could have brought water up from the well for himself, turned it into a beautiful little spigot and just opened his mouth? <sighs> of course he could have. He could have done whatever he wanted. Does he need help with these, with these people? There is a structure and an organization that I want you to see that even Jesus used. He is getting the place prepared before he shows up so that the most, so that the most can be done in the least amount of time. He's not wasting time trying to save souls. He's getting the, 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 the soil tilled before he ever gets there. He's getting the soil ready before the seed is ever dropped, before the water is ever done so that the growth can come. I want you to see this. It's Jesus. He's getting ready to come. And even he is preparing the way and using other people to help him. Verse two, and he said to them, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. Go your way. Behold, I am sending you out as lamb, as lambs in the midst of wolves. You know, here's another reality that you have to see from scripture. Okay, we have to also go back to the literal time of Jesus and who he's talking to. He is talking to people that are bringing the good news to these places for the first time. And by the way, I don't know if you um, are, are real familiar with history, but the world was pretty resistant. In fact, so resistant that they put Jesus on a cross. In fact, so resistant that almost every single one of the original 12 is murdered or put to death in a terrible way to try to stop this movement. John being the one that was exiled to live an old life by himself. The world was resistant. So he says, I'm sh sending you out like lambs to wolves. 
Anybody watch the Nature Channel? Anybody watch Discovery? Anybody watch Animal Planet? I'm not really sure which one of those even today would even show predators. I mean, there's, all, there's blood and animals die in the real world. And that could be scary to watch on TV these days. But imagine a beautiful flock of sheep walking into the midst of wolves. Hungry wolves. It's not going to be pretty. There will be carnage. You think the world's much different today? How resistant do you think the world is to Jesus? Do you ever talk to your friends or your family about him? Do you ever share the good news? See, normally if we don't, it's because of the fear of the resistance of the world that we know is there. We understand we're sheeps in the midst of lambs. And it holds us back. Or maybe it's because we, you know, we don't want to enforce our opinions on other people. We want to be politically correct. If Jesus is the truth, If Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, if Jesus is the only way to the Father, what are we afraid of? But still to this day, I think we have the same problem that you see right here in the middle of that scripture. That's why he says, pray earnestly. And I'm asking you right now to pray earnestly. Pray earnestly for Workers for laborers of the harvest. Because I have to tell you, and I'm speaking from my own experience, and trust me, I am not talking down to you. I'm talking right to me too. That I've let this world keep me silent for far too long. Maybe not right here where it's safe and comfortable and everybody comes to hear something about Jesus, but out there. I've shared with you before that me and Amy, at one point in time, for a very small amount of time, it didn't sit well with us for very long, but we were even talked into this new age, you know, this new idea of being politically correct. You know what's interesting? What's interesting to me, and I'm going to get off on a tangent for just a second because i got to say it, but what's interesting to me is the other side can be out in the open screaming from the hilltops, and that's okay, but if us as Christians are screaming about Jesus, not a good look. We need to pray earnestly for workers. It's not an easy task. The world doesn't look totally favorably on Christians. And it sure seems like in the culture that we live in today, even in our own country, the land of the free, the home of the brave, the land of religious freedom is even starting to turn on us. But I won't get too political today. We still got a long time before the vote. Verse 17, I wanted to skip down a little bit because I wanted you to see something that Jesus says here that I think 
if you really put it in perspective, it, it's a moment. So the 72 he sends out, he, they've returned and they're, they're excited. They're, in fact, the scripture says they, they're full of joy. <laughs> saying, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. Now, imagine having one of those experiences. Seriously. Imagine walking up to an, a situation where somebody is literally demon-possessed. Anybody ever watch like one of those movies that tries to imitate this? Imagine. We talked not that long ago about Legion. Imagine you walk into town, you get off a boat, and there's a guy that's meeting you, and he's literally got cuts all over his body, which, by the way, are by him, and some of them are still fresh and bleeding, and he's got chains and shackles around his arm because he's already ripped those apart, and he's walking up to you, and he's probably a little crazy looking, and hey. Imagine that. Like a Hollywood horror film coming to life. Everybody in the town is afraid to the point to where he's living in the crypt. He's got nowhere to go. You remember we talked about that. Imagine having the power to walk up and say, in the name of Jesus Christ, leave this man alone. And they're gone. You don't think you'd feel like a Superman or some superhero or... And this is their high that they're coming back in on. They've been casting out demons. They've been, they've been healing people. They are like, they're, they're doing stuff that nobody can explain. Nobody can truly understand. And they have a power that nobody else has in this world. And they're coming back and they're saying, listen, this is the most amazing thing in the world. Even the demons. The things that ran rampant on us, that did whatever they wanted to us, that abused us. And not only just abused the people that they were, they were possessing, but they were taking advantage of whole towns through one person. Even those things. Have to listen to us because of you. Imagine that. This is a moment. And you know what he says? He says something crazy. Not crazy like Jesus is crazy. Like, I wonder what this looked like. He says, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. <clears throat> Who cast him down? Obviously God, right? Maybe the Son of God. Maybe Michael. What did it look like? So he gives him this imagery. Now realize he's talking to his disciples. He's talking to his, some of his closest followers and he's saying to them, you have power over demons, but we cast Satan out of heaven. Like you shouldn't be surprised. And he says, behold, I have given you authority to tread on serpents and scorpions. And for the record, when he's talking about stakes, serpents and scorpions, just, just for some of you who might like overanalyze things, he's not talking about real snakes. 
I know a lot of us are afraid of snakes. When we see them, they give us the heebie-jeebies. I about broke my foot once, and I promise you, I still have issues with it because I tried to stomp a snake. It went across my foot. I tried to stomp it. The problem was is my flower bed that I was working in was full of rock, and I was barefoot in this moment, and I just went as hard as I could out of reaction. My foot has never been the same. I don't like snakes. When I see a snake, I want to kill it. I don't care if it's endangered. Shh. I don't like them. Although indigos are okay. I don't know if you've ever, they're okay. They're like the pet snake of wild nature. But that's what he's talking about. Who likes serpents? Who likes scorpions? Who likes spiders? Anybody love spiders? Gary, you're so weird. <laughs> and that doesn't shock me at all, actually. Knowing you, that doesn't, that doesn't shock me. Yeah, well, whose idea was it to, to make scorpions and, and spiders and snakes pets? Who came up with that idea? You ever get into social media, you ever scroll through something like a YouTube shorts or, or TikTok or whatever? You ever see the snake trainers and they always want to show you their super exotic snake that's highly venomous that they're making all their money from on, on the venom? Have you ever seen how many times they get bit? Like who thought this was a good idea? Oh, I got a crazy idea. You know what? Let's go ahead and make tarantulas pets. Who thought that was a good idea? Gary. <laughs> Gary thought, this is amazing. <laughs> he says, I've given you power over all that, but look what he says. Again, not physical. He's talking about demonic stuff. He's talking about evil powers, spiritual powers. Who needed God to be able to stomp a scorpion? Nobody. He says, nevertheless, verse 20, look what he says. It says, they came back and they returned with what? Let's go back to the top. They returned with joy. Y'all see that? They return with joy. Don't miss this because Luke, he does not mix words. He does not make mistakes on what he writes down. He says, Jesus said to them, nevertheless, do not what? Rejoice. Don't have joy over this. Don't get so excited that you have this power over the, the demonically possessed people. He says, nevertheless, do not rejoice in this. I saw Satan fall from heaven like lightning. Do not rejoice in this. You're missing the whole point. When was Satan defeated? Long time before any of us were born. You're missing the point. When were the demons defeated? Long time before any of us were born. You're missing the point. It says, don't rejoice over this, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. Rejoice that you can have eternal life. That's the point. That's the point. Cool. You got some magic powers. Cool. Welcome to the club. But that's not the point. One more. I want to show you this too because this is going back to the 12. 
We started in Mark, we're in it in Matthew with the 12. It's the same exact stuff. Matthew gives you a little bit extra. If you ever notice when I preach out of the Gospels a lot, I preach out of Matthew and Luke because they always give you the extras. Behold, I am sending you out as sheep in the midst of wolves. So he said it to the 72, now he said it to the 12. So be wise as serpents and innocent as doves. Be wise as serpents and innocent as doves. You know, one thing I will say about a snake is I've never seen a dumb one. They know exactly when to run. They know when to hide. They know how to get away quickly. They know how to survive. You know, they got, every time they eat, they got to put themselves at risk. They know when to eat. They know when to eat, where to eat, how to eat to survive. He says, be wise as serpents, yet innocent as doves. Don't let the world corrupt you. Beware of men. Now look, he's talking to the apostles. Don't forget this. Beware of men, for they will deliver you out over to courts and flog you in their synagogues. But I got to tell you something. The apostles weren't the only ones who dealt with this. Many Christians, especially in the first few hundred years, many Christians dealt with this. Paul dealt with this multiple times. Just go read your Bible. And the people that were associated with Paul who were not apostles dealt with this many times. Go read your Bible, Acts. And you will be dragged before governors and kings for my sake to bear witness before them and the Gentiles. So this is part of what the 12 is going to have to deal with. And, and again, Paul did a lot of this. When they deliver you over, do not be anxious how you are to speak or what you are to say. For what you are to say will be given to you in that hour. For it is not you who speak, but the spirit of your father speaking through you. And I want to tell you something. I know he's specifically talking to the apostles, but I totally believe that when you speak for God, God helps you speak. I believe that. There's not a single Sunday I've ever got up here where I don't feel like God has helped me speak. If you've ever talked to me one-on-one -on -one, and we're talking about scripture versus, I don't know, anything else, you will see that there is a focus in me when we're talking about God that is not in me when we're talking about anything else. I have ADD. Do you know how hard it is for me to keep things in a perfect order in my head? It's very hard. Go ask my wife. Go ask the elders. See this right here? I had to put it in my pocket. You know why? Because I'll walk down here and I'll put it right here and I'll walk away and I won't even know where, where did it go? Where'd it go? Anybody else like that? Where'd it go? It's gone. But when I talk about the word, it's different. And I'm not special. You can say I'm gifted. That's fine. God gave me a gift. That's fine. Do you know what I believe? He gave it to every single one of us. Because when we speak on his behalf, he's going to help us with the words. Why do I say that? Because a lot of times we don't talk to people because we don't think we're going to have the right thing to say. You know what I realized a long time ago as well? Sometimes when I don't have the right thing to say, it's because I'm not supposed to say anything. Maybe that's exactly what I'm supposed to say. Nothing. Which I don't know about you, but that's the hardest thing for me to do. 
Verse 26, we're almost done. So have no fear of them, for nothing is covered that will be, not be revealed. And this is literally one of my favorite scriptures in the whole Bible. You ever feel like you've been wronged and somebody got away with it? And, you know. So have no fear of them, for nothing is covered that will not be revealed or hidden that will not be known. What I tell you in the dark, say in the light. And what you hear whispered, proclaim on the housetops. And do not fear those who kill the body, but cannot kill the soul. Rather, fear him who can destroy both soul and body in hell. And then he compares us to sparrows real quick. Are not two sparrows sold for a penny and not one of them will fall on the ground apart from your father. But even the hairs of your head are all numbered. In other words, there's not a single bird in this world that dies that God doesn't know when it dies. And there's not one of us in this room right now that God doesn't know exactly how many hairs are on your head, even those of you who have very little. And even those of you who have a whole lot. You don't even know that about yourself. Unless you got like one or two. Have you ever thought about the fact that that number is always changing too? Like you're dropping hairs. I know you ladies, some of you ladies are like my wife where literally we have to like sweep the floor every day. He knows the hairs on your head. Fear not, therefore, you are more valuable than many sparrows. God loves you so much. Don't forget that. And this is the key. So everyone who acknowledges me before men, I also will acknowledge before my Father. For everyone who acknowledges me before men. You know what that means? That means we have to have courage to talk to people about God. It's not just when we stand up and we say... Do you believe that Jesus Christ is something? Yes, I do. It's not just that. If you believe that Jesus Christ is the way, the truth, and the life, how could you not tell people about that? Especially the ones that you love, that you have a relationship with, that trust you and aren't going to judge you for telling them what's on your heart. He says, but whoever denies me before men, I also will deny before my Father who is in heaven. See, that's the reality I came to when I decided I wasn't going to pray in public. Because I didn't want to offend other people. It just felt like denial. And I felt like I was denying myself. At first, and before long, I felt like I was denying God. So we don't want to miss the cracks and we don't want to be people who are silent about the only way to salvation. We don't want to overlook people and we don't want you to feel like you have to do it by yourself. God never intended for anybody to do it by himself. Not even Jesus Christ did it by himself. So why do we feel like we have to? I don't know, but I say that with power because I know that's something even in me. It's like, whoa, stay away. I don't want you to mess it up. Whoa, this is my friend. Stay away. You know, I'll make the decisions here on what's going on. You know what? I respect that. Should be your decision. So let's talk about this for a minute. Let's talk about it. Because some of us have been talking about this for weeks and we still don't even know what it is. Remember how we started with this. I'm going to tell you right now, in the very near future, 
We're going to have our own of these. This is not going to go away. Okay? And the reason why this is not going to go away, at least for me, is because I think this is literally the most powerful thing of the evangelism seminar that we were given. And the reason why I think it is powerful one last time is because I think it gives us an opportunity, a visual to actually write names down of people that we love, that we care for, that we know need to see Jesus, need to have that moment with Jesus, need to have that experience, need to find God. And I think we pray really powerfully for our sick at this church. I think we pray really powerfully for our world, for our government, for everything that's going on. But how powerfully are we praying for those 10 people, whatever your list is, whatever your number is, whatever, how many people you can list. How often are you praying for those people by name that they'll find God? If that doesn't convict you, great. That means you're doing better than me. Because I'll pray for all of you that are already saved, but barely ever pray for those who aren't. I got a couple. I'll admit, I got a couple that I've been praying for for years. You know who I'm talking about. I got a couple. That's why we're doing this. To keep it on our mind. To keep it in our heart. To make it part of our mission. To spread the word of God. If you don't need that list, don't use the list then. But if you're somebody like me, you need to write it down. You need to look at it. You need to, it needs to stay fresh. Put it in your Bible. So when you're reading your personal Bible study at home, in the midst of the privacy of your house, pull it out and talk to God about those people. Now look at hope. This some people call this a contacts list or a prospects list. We're calling it our hope list because this is who we are hoping for. And I want you to see that there's two tracks here. The first one is personal and the second one is congregational. See, at the end of the day, evangelism always starts with a one-on-one -on -one connection, but it doesn't have to stay one-on-one -on -one forever. In fact, there are going to be times where it doesn't need to be one-on-one -on -one if you want it to really be as effective as it could possibly be. So I'm going to go through this list really quickly and we're going to probably have it easily accessible for you. If you want to look at it again, think about it, mull it over. But we got personal and we got congregational and congregational. I know if there's one on here that's going to give you the heebie jeebies, it's congregational because at the end of the day, it's your friend, it's your family member and you're going to be in, you're going to be in charge. You're going to be in charge. See that? We just took all that away. No one can turn this on for you, for any of your friends that are on your list. And by the way, we're not keeping record of all these people on the list. We don't even know who's on yours because it's personal. And these are your people, just like I have mine. Now, let's say your friend, one of your friends on your list is going through a tough time. And you go to that friend and you say, hey, you know what? I would really like to pray for you and I would really like to actually get my church praying for you. Is that okay? Yes. You can come to Doug Gertis, who's, the per who's our point guy on all this stuff. He's the one that's uh, kind of overseeing and organizing things. Just like if you see one of these things on this list that you want to be personally involved with, that's the guy you go and talk to. He'll get you organized. Somebody's going through a tough time. You want 
to pray for them. You want the church to pray for them. Hey, do you mind if um, somebody from my church sends you a card? That's what compassion cards are. I'm going to be really clear with you. Every time you turn that on, there's going to be three cards sent, personally written, handwritten. We have several ladies who have already volunteered for this position. We have no men, so I'm encourage you, some of you men, women aren't the only ones who can write cards. I know it's a lot more natural framer than me. I get it, but we're not, they're not the only ones who can. And they're going to get three cards, handwritten, personally, from members of our church. Just letting them know we're praying for you, we're thinking about you, and they're going to be specific to the situation that we're praying about. On top of that, there's also opportunity for visits. And let, let me tell you something. Again, this is not something new. This isn't something that the church just figured out. It's not new. But we're looking to be more personal with one each other. So we're encouraging you to have visits, to visit these people that are in your life, to spend time with them. Most of the people that are going to be on your list are already people you spend time with. Visit. And we're also going to be looking for opportunities to serve. You know, I'll never forget when Amy's um, parents went through divorce. There was a lot of things that changed overnight. And there was a lot of things I had to step up and do that were no longer being done. And that's sort of how things happen. You get sick. Things change. There's a lot of things that can be done. We're looking for opportunities to serve. Maybe nothing's wrong at all, but there's an opportunity to serve. We're looking for those opportunities. Then we want to get to Bible studies. To where we're having Bible studies with people. I don't think I've ever converted a single person in my life without having a Bible study with them. But I also understand, and, and, and if you're like, ah, oh, we really want you to do the Bible study with your friends on your list. You say, I can't. We do have curriculum that can help you. It is back there on a table. You can look at it yourself. Pick and choose what you like. Don't use what you don't like. It's up to you. These are your choices. It's yours because it's personal. If you don't want to use anything, that's fine. You come up to a place where you say, you know what? This is too much for me. This is over my head. I can't handle it. We have specialists. Specialists will start with, guess who? You're in a personal Bible study with somebody. You don't have the answer. You need somebody to come and help you. Guess who the first person you call is? I don't know who. Don't call me. I'm just kidding. You can call me. You can call the elders. We'll give you the best answers we can or we'll come and help along with the Bible study. You don't have to do this by yourself. I'm almost done. Baptisms. One of the things I will tell you that we're going to do better is we're going to recognize people who get baptized in a bigger way. I don't have that fully squared away yet, so I'm not going to speak too much on that, but we're going to do better. We already do certificates. We already recognize them. Hey, thank you very much. Stand up. We're going to do even better than that. I got a few ideas, but I don't have all those ideas um, approved yet. Then we got a new, we're, we're worried about not just baptizing people, but we're worried about discipling people. So I want you to understand we do have a class. 
It's taught by Doug Gertis, who's organizing this whole thing that gives you the basic principles, the foundations for Christian living. That's where it's at. You can start right there. But this is the thing. Now it's starting to feel like a program, isn't it? Don't miss the mentoring. Don't miss the encouragement. We don't need a program for that. We don't need structure and organization for that. And then I'll be honest with you, it's one of the things we lack at this church, mentoring. Mentoring. I'll give you a perfect example. Look in that back corner back there. I know, nobody likes it when I do this, but look in that back corner right there. I know, I'm running late. You're going to have to give me a few minutes today. Look in that back corner right there. Look at all those young adults back there. That's a lot of young adults, people. That's more young adults than this church has had in quite a while. You know why I banged on the pulpit? Because I'm excited about that. We need young adults. You know what else we need? We need people involved in their lives, mentoring them. How many people are stepping out to meet those people? How many know their names? How many have talked to them even one time? I know it's not the funnest part of the conversation, but it's a reality. We can mentor and encourage without any program. But you know why we're having a program right now or a structure and organization that we're talking about right now? Because we're not doing it. We're not doing it. All right, last one. I'll be done. I'm going to go away. You guys can all go talk about me later. Growing church. You see, ultimately what we're looking for is success. Again, this is all in your power. Nobody's forcing anything on you, but we want you to understand that we do have structure and organization, and there are places where you can fit in. In fact, let me, let me go back to outreach real quick, because this is one of the things that's not on this slide that I put on the other slide that did not come through. Visitors. Visitors here. Greeters here. We used to have greeters every Sunday. You could not get through the door without being greeted at this church. Whether you came every Sunday or you, this was your first time there. We're looking for greeters. And I'm going to tell you something that we're actually doing exactly what we're looking for. We're looking for a young adult and an older person. And oh, by the way, that would be a great time to mentor. Find one you're paired up with. If you're grumpy a lot, especially first thing in the morning, don't be a greeter. Okay, if you're picky about the way people look and dress and, and all that, probably not your strong suit either. But we're looking for a young adult and an older person so that every time somebody comes in the door, they have somebody near, relative to their age, that they can relate to right away. And oh, by the way, when they come, we're making baskets and we're going to give them a little gift and tell them thank you no matter who they are and where they came from. Again, these aren't things we haven't done before. We just kind of stopped doing them. So, the ultimate goal, again, last, last circle, is success. And I'm going to say this as powerfully as I can. We will never be, I don't care how structured and organized we are, we will never be a successful church if we are not shepherding. We can't be. We need our shepherds to be shepherds, to shepherd the flock. 
And that starts at the top. And then trickles its way down. Some of us are not elders. We're not shepherds. And we already shepherd. Do you know why? Because somebody mentored and encouraged us. And we saw how powerful that was in our own lives. Okay? These are your opportunities. If anything sticks out for you, Doug Gertis, raise your hand one time for everybody. See that guy. Do not pass go. Do not collect $200. Just go straight to him and see him. No? Looks like the Monopoly man to me. Anyway, um, because ultimately what we care about is giving people Jesus. So I'm just going to simply say, have you accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? Have you been washed in his blood? Have you received the gift of the Holy Spirit? Been added to the kingdom of God? Changed that vapor for eternity? For those of us who have, are we worried about the commission? Are we worried about the mission? Or are we just happy that we found it ourselves? You know, the one thing God calls out God's people for all through Scripture is that they had it, but they kept it to themselves. Go read your Bible. Where are you at today? If there's any way we can help you, if there's any way we can encourage you, if there's anything you need prayer for, or if you need to make a response, change your life, dedicate your life to God today, we can do that. If there's any reason to come, you can come now as together we stand and sing.
Thank you, Matt. Uh, appreciate the message. And evangelism has worked for 2,000 years. It probably shows keep working on for a long time after that. So we're all a part of that. That's how we got here, and uh, it'll continue to work for the church forever. Not forever, I guess, till he comes again. Let me put it that way, till he comes again. So, uh, Grab yourself a bulletin, unless you're uh, online watching, uh, and then you can't grab one. Let's, but anyways, they're here. So um, highlight a couple things. Uh, prayer list, we'll start off with that. Bill and Betty are still at home. They've got, uh, they've got COVID. They've had that for a week now. Uh, and they, she, Betty said a couple more days is what she expects, and they'll be back. They just... They don't want to share with everybody, uh, and I don't think anybody wants to get it if you've had it and such. Uh, so they're staying home. Um, Lex and Edith are at home with COVID too. So pray for Lex and Edith and Bill and Betty with that situation. Um, start with some good news. Last week, I announced it last week, but uh, last week we had two baptisms. Henry and Ricky Strasbaugh were baptized at, at uh, Sunquest. They responded to the gospel and were added. That's uh, how the church grows. So that's great news. Um, I'll also add that with some, some sad news. Uh, we lost a sister this week. Ad Laughlin passed away on, uh, on Tuesday night. Uh, she fought the good fight, finished the race, and more importantly, she kept the faith. Uh, she was a faithful Christian woman. She uh, an elder's, elder's wife. She, uh, she loved kids, and she loved her kids. Um, it's sad to lose them, it's sad. Her, uh, her memorial will be here on Thursday, Thursday at 11. Um, we're also having a meal afterwards. And uh, Betty, not Betty, sorry, Betty's not here. Sandy, Sandy is handling the food. So if you can bring food, see Sandy Tagto, and uh, we'll have a meal afterwards. So, and if you don't want, if you normally send flowers, you can send money to the Central Florida Bible Camp instead. And uh, she loved kids, and that's a great place to send it. So, all right. Um, because of the memorial on Thursday, we will not be having a senior game day on Thursday. So I've already pushed off the rental of the half pipe. It will be another week. It'll be the following Thursday. And I've talked to Redeemer. We cannot skateboard on their roof, as Mike Wall suggested, because they've got, they've got their own skateboarding seniors over there. So uh, that'll be next Thursday the 21st. Uh, food pantry is tomorrow. Um, as we've started using room nine for more of a classroom, some of this stuff has moved back into fellowship room. I know they're gonna pack, pack and bread today, right? So pack and bread afterwards. Uh, probably need help moving some of that stuff too. So if you can help with that, that'd be great. The ladies day this coming Saturday at Concord Street. Um, Wanda's trying to drive, plans to drive the bus. Um, if you're interested in going that ladies day, sign the sign up sheet out in the foyer. Make sure the bus is full. Make it, make it just really full. You should have a good time over there. Um, food pantry, we'll talk about that, but the goal this month is to bring in 300 cans of tuna. 300, Matt, 300 cans of tuna and 150 boxes of tuna helper. So make sure that happens. We pass that out and that helps fill the bags each and every week. On the front of the bulletin, you got about deacons. Um, Chuck White, Doug Gertis, and Mike uh, Robinson. Uh, we're putting our names for the congregation to become deacons. We believe these men are fully qualified to lead ministries which will serve this church. These men have demonstrated that in the past, and they will continue to demonstrate it in the future. However, if you have some scriptural reason that you don't believe they can be a deacon, write it down. Put your name on it. See me. See Charlie. Today, see me and Charlie. So that's who's, that's who's here. So anyways, we'll proceed with that. 
Tonight, 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 at 6 o'clock, Matt's sermon topic is Joshua, the son of Nun. Unless you listen to an audio, audio, and they call it Joshua, son of Noon. On Wednesday night, he will teach Bible class here in the auditorium on Romans 15. It's available online or here in person. Uh, it's always a good time. Chuck gives one-word answers, and uh, we have a good time with that. So Romans 15 on Wednesday night. Until then, let your light shine in a world that desperately needs it. Sometimes are here pray to you to heal our sick. Father, we also want to say thank you for another day. Thank you for the sun on our face, wind on our back. And Father, thank you for the most of all forgiving of our sins through just a little bit of faith. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. I will